You good today? Fired up? Ready for a great Sunday? Man, I don't know how you could not be fired up after that worship. Come on, can we give a big round of applause for the worship team? That was amazing. That was so good. Man, it's leading us right into the presence of God. So thankful for the for the worship team and uh, thankful for you for being here today. I'm so glad that you are here today. You picked a great day. Oh, we'll continue our, our Matthew series and uh, I'm just loving it, loving every minute of it. God is, uh, God is helping us and can't wait to jump into that. Before we do though, I wanna take a minute. I wanna welcome everybody who is watching via the interwebs. We love you online. Come on church, put our hands together. Let's welcome everybody who's watching with us. <clears throat> also, one more thing before we jump in. I want to just uh, have one more praise the Lord for all that God did last year. Uh, last week, we talked about Vision Sunday. We took a, a few moments and we looked back at how good God has been to us over the last year, 2022. What an amazing year. Uh, I mean, so many amazing things happened. And if you missed it, you can go online, check out that service. But one of the things that I just want to celebrate and say, God, thank you so much for again, is that we celebrated 942 decisions for Christ Church. Come on. Can we just take a minute and thank God? That's incredible. That's incredible. If that's not revival, I don't know what is. And I believe God's just getting started. Amen. Come on, find three people and say, God's getting started. Just tell them right next to you, say, God's just getting started. Because I believe he is. Um. All right, hey, we are in our, our book uh, study. We're going through the book of Matthew. Uh, we're just going through verse by verse, passage by passage, and we're learning uh, who Jesus is. Uh, because we're asking this question, wouldn't it be cool if you could meet Jesus, right? Wouldn't it be cool if you could meet him? Like if, if he was just here, if you could ha actually have a real conversation with him in, in person, uh, wouldn't that be cool? It would be cool. And, and Matthew is, is giving us that. What Matthew is doing it's giving us the opportunity to meet Jesus, to watch him, to, to get a, pers a personal, up-close encounter with Jesus. What, what if we were right there with Matthew? Matthew is giving us this great perspective on who Jesus is. And what he's showing us in a very unique way to Matthew's gospel is that Jesus is the king of the kingdom. All right? So and I'm not talking about the United Kingdom. Come on, you know, that's King Charles. And I'm not talking about the Red Kingdom. Come on, that's King Patrick. Okay, so we, we've got all of the roles divvied up. I'm talking about the kingdom, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, King Jesus, who reigns over the thing that really matters, the kingdom of our hearts, the kingdom of, of souls. And, and it's, it's, where, it's where God reigns. That's the kingdom of God, where, where we follow him and we bring our lives under subjection to his lordship and where he brings freedom and grace and wholeness and healing into our lives. And Matthew was desperately trying to help us understand this. And is it especially important to Matthew because Matthew had been living for a different king. Matthew had been serving a different king, the kingdom of Rome, the kingdom of self, really, because what he had been doing is is pursuing his way. He'd been looking to himself. He'd been trying to pursue luxury and comfort and status. He had sold out his people as a tax collector. And then Jesus meets him and changes everything about him and shows him what life is really all about. And Matthew is desperately trying to help us understand that. And it's, uh, it's really been fantastic. And so a couple of weeks ago, uh, right before Vision Sunday, we jumped in and we started looking at Jesus's campaign speech. 
It's the speech, the sermon that Jesus would give over and over and over again. He would travel from town to town to town, and he would talk about what his kingdom looks like. And it's, it's famously known as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus begins this sermon with a section of scripture called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes all center around this idea of being blessed. Okay, and this, this word is is uh, translated, it, it just means happy. It means to be congratulated. It's, it's someone who's, like, who's fortunate. It's almost like someone who won the lottery. It's someone who's generally just favored and graced in their life. How many of you would like to be this person? Just raise your hand if you would like to be blessed, right? All of us, so interesting. Jesus is like, I'm bringing a kingdom and it looks like blessing. Who wants to be a part of it? And everyone's like, yeah, of course. Happy is the person who finds God. That's what Jesus is teaching. And that may not sound like a revolutionary idea for you if you grew up in a, like a, a place where God was good and God wanted to be good to you. That may not be like completely entirely revolutionary for you. Um, but if you grew up in a, maybe a setting like mine, it would be because I grew up uh, going to Catholic school. Come on, any Catholic school survivors in the place, okay? And... And I had a, a nun, her name was Sister Joselle in second grade. Perfect name, right? Sister Joselle. And Sister Joselle woke up on the wrong side of the bed every day, like every day. She was not excited to be alive. She was not excited to be a nun. And she certainly was not excited to be teaching second grade. And it just came out in everything she did. And so, I mean, now this is back in the day, kids, you do not understand, but back in the day, they could hit you, right? Come on, somebody, like, they could hit you, and they did. They did, they were not nice, and they would come over and slap you with the ruler, it was, and, and I'm not talking about the wood side, I'm talking about the metal side. Brutal, brutal, it was legal. In the Catholic Church, it was legal. And so, I mean, some of the kids would, you know, they would, you know, of course, of course they didn't like this. And so they would, you know, sh- you know spit, spit wads at her and call her names and they'd write songs like, you know, Sister Joselle, she comes from heaven. And it was just like, <laughs> I did not participate in that. Just kidding, I wrote it, okay. Um, <laughs> I was a wicked little kid before I met Jesus, all right? So, um, but a lot of people, a lot of people have this idea when it comes to faith. Like, it's like, you know, so, because that had an imprint on me as a, as a young child. I, I thought God was just angry, right? Like, God was angry. Sister Joselle was angry. God was angry. And, and that's how I kind of, I put it all together. And so, I just felt like God was just, was mad. And, and God wasn't good. God wasn't longing to be gracious to me. And he certainly wasn't interested in me being blessed. He was interested in me being obedient, <laughs> right? And, and if I wasn't, then I was getting punished. And, and so when Jesus shows up, his audience is actually thinking very, something very similar. They're, they are used to a lot of rules that have been uh, centered around another uh, set of rules and then another set of rules that had been all put in place by this group called the Pharisees. And again, their intent was probably good to honor God. Initially, their intent was good, but then it became about rules just for the sake of rules and not for the sake of relationship. And so people lived not feeling like they could even get close to God. 
And Jesus comes, and we looked at this last week, and he takes that whole idea and he turns it upside down. And he says, actually, the person who gets to God, not only is he happy, but the reason and the way that he gets there is not by his performance, but by recognizing that he could never perform enough. We talked about that two weeks ago. That blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The person who recognizes that they don't have enough to, to bring to the table, that's the person who finds God. And so Jesus like completely changes the game and, and everybody's like, wow, that is absolutely amazing and it's, it's powerful and it, and it brings us in and it brings us close. And what Jesus does is he establishes this brokenness of spirit that allows us, us to experience God. That's the first beatitude. Then the rest of the beatitudes are basically now telling us what we do with that. And it, what it looks like is bringing brokenness now to people. So we're broken before God because we can't make God love us. And then we take that grace relationship to lost and hurting people and really everybody around us. That's the rest of the Beatitudes. And what Jesus talks about when he gets to the end of the Beatitudes is that when we live like this, we change the world. We change the world. And so what I want to do is I want to jump to the end of the Beatitudes, grab this little section in Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 13, uh, talking about salt and light. And then I'm going to come back and tie this into the Beatitudes and see how we can actually live this thing out. And this is really great, especially following Vision Sunday, which we talked about last, last week, this great commission. How, how do we actually go out into all the world and make disciples in what way do we do that? In what spirit that we do that? And it looks like being salt and light, all right? So if you're ready to understand this and grow together, say, I am. All right, Matthew 5, verse 13 says this. You are the salt of the earth. Everybody say, be salty. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Then he says, you are the light of the world. Ever say, you're a light. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Salt and light. Okay, now, in, in our days, I mean, today, salt is a valuable thing, especially if the food doesn't taste good, right? Like, you know, put a little salt on it, you know, and it, it helps bring out the flavor of the food. It makes it, it, makes it better. But in Jesus' day, salt was essential. It was essential, like, because they didn't have refrigerators. So just to keep something preserved, they needed salt. Otherwise, the meat would go bad. It would decay. And what Jesus is saying is, I want to use you in a way of, keeping the world around you from decaying. God's actually called us to be preservatives, to bring out the flavors that God wants people to experience in the world. And then he wants us to be light. Light pierces darkness. It shows people where they need to go. What God is basically saying, he's calling us to be fresh and bright. Wouldn't that be cool if Christianity tasted like that? Fresh and bright. Wouldn't that be amazing, church? Like when people got around us that they're like, oh my goodness, I, I, couldn't, 
I couldn't wait to get back into their presence because every time I'm around them, they just make me feel better. They make me feel, they make me feel more fresh like God intended me to be. They make me feel more bright about how things need to be. This is what Jesus says brings real change to the world. Now, I wanna, I wanna show you this here in just a few moments, how this all ties into the Beatitudes. But before we do, I wanna talk to us about how we normally try to bring change to the world, church, because we don't do this. What we try to do is two things that are wrong. The first wrong way is we try to change the world with morality, right? Don't we do this? Like someone gets saved, we find someone who's like, who's wanting to find God and be like, oh, that's so great. You wanna find God? That's amazing. Here are 63 things that you're gonna start to, that you're gonna need to change about your life before you start experiencing God. Here's 12 different classes. Here's 65 different books. And once you memorize all of these 250 verses, then maybe God can start doing some stuff in your life. You need to start doing this. You need to stop doing this. You need to read more, pray more, drive better. You know, um, you need to do everything better, okay? And then you can get to God. But how many of you know that doesn't work? How many of you know that morality doesn't change the soul? Have you ever met someone who's very moral, who's also very sad? Someone who, who keeps a high lifestyle, but is like empty on the inside. It's possible. It's possible. Because morality doesn't change our souls. Only relationship with the Savior does. Second wrong way is to change the world with exclusivity. What we, what we try to do is, okay, if, if I can't change you by just forcing all of these uh, morals on you, then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pull away and I'm going to live together with a few other Christians. You know, this is what we do. We, we form our Christian clubs right? Our little, our little cliques where we're just going to get together and we're just going to stay away from all the wicked bad people because they're nasty and they want nasty things and they're just going to bring us, they're going to bring us down. So we just need to pull away and we never need to engage with them, right? I'm either going to change the world with morals or I'm going to pull away and hopefully maybe they can see my separate lifestyle and say, I really want that. That's how we do it. But that's not how Jesus did it. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus saw people. He went to people. He ministered to people, people who were broken, who were hurting. He met them where they were, and then he helped bring them out of it, right? So what Jesus shows us is something different. He doesn't try to change them with morality, and he certainly doesn't try to change them with exclusivity. He, he meets them with the world. He meets the world with engagement and humility. Engagement and humility. That's how we really change the world. And that's what Jesus is talking about in the Beatitudes. To reach the world, to minister to them, to engage with them, and to humble ourselves as we do it. And it has everything to do with this idea that the weak are strong. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. The weak are strong. We talked two weeks ago about how the poor are rich. The poor are rich because if you have a, a poverty in spirit recognizing you need God, well then God will give you all of the riches of having a relationship with him. And now I wanna talk to you about how the, the weak are strong because really that's the rest of the Beatitudes. And so I wanna unpack this and, and, and break this down and understand how this is how we can actually be 
the, the salt and the light that God has called us to be. Before we do, I want you to find three people, turn, to, turn next to them and say, hey, when I am weak, then I am strong. Come on, find three people and say, when I am weak, then I am strong. Matthew chapter five, verse four says this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who, per, who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the Beatitudes. How many of you have heard these before? Just raise your hand if you've heard these or seen these maybe at Mardell um, or on your grandmother's pillow. These sound nice because they're familiar, but you got to think about what Jesus is saying here. These are the people who affect change, those who mourn, who are meek, who are merciful, who are peacemakers, and are persecuted. When I was growing up, we had this store called Successories. Does anybody remember Successories? Anybody remember these? They, they were pictures. Like, this was in a mall. They had, they had a, a whole store dedicated to these images that had things that, that you wanted to, like, aspire to. They were very inspirational. Maybe some of you still have these hanging up. I, I loved this store. I thought it was so cool. And, uh, and I, I had a few of these images. I probably had a little planner. Anybody remember planners back in the day? You know, I probably had a successories planner or certainly some inserts into my planner of successories. Um, if, you, if you're not familiar, I want to show you a couple of these. Um, here's, here's a couple of successories that you would have seen in a store. First one is... Make it happen. <laughs> so strong. You know, right there, look at this. This dude who climbed up on a rock because he made it happen. <laughs> He's looking off into the sunset. I mean, that's inspirational. And then a quote from Michael Jordan. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. Successories. Right? All right, next one. Commitment with a highway and a beautiful sunset. The road to success is sometimes long and arduous. It takes unwavering commitment and a will to succeed in order to complete the journey. Commitment. Right? Okay, next one. What is this one? Perseverance. Yes. Beautiful canyon, river, sunset. In the confrontation between the river and the rock, the river always wins, not through strength, but by perseverance. <laughs> These are amazing, right? This is what you hang up in your gym, you know, right before you get ready to work out. You know, you start looking at that. I'm a river. <laughs> Coming at you, rock. You know? You, get, you, get, you just get fired up looking at these things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to climb. I'm going to make it happen. Bless God. If Jesus really wanted to win some followers, he should have shown some of those pictures. If, if you could categorize the Beatitudes, it would be the unsuccessories. Right? 
How many of you know if you went into a accessory store, you're never gonna see meek? <laughs> Merciful. Persecuted. You're not gonna see it, right? Jesus is, is taking our idea of a win and he's flipping it upside down. Can you imagine Jesus rolling this out to the marketing team if today, if he was like trying to like start followers today? You know, it's like, all right, let's get all these people together. All right, hey, great, creative's here. Okay, social's here, great, awesome. Okay, dis distribution's here, okay, great. Okay, what, okay, guys, I'm thinking about, this is what I'm gonna roll out. Mournful, merciful, meek, persecuted. How many of you know the brainstorm committee's gonna be like, ah, Jesus, I think we're missing it. I think we're missing it. No, 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 no. What we need is perseverance. What we need is win. What we need is to, to fight for our rights. <laughs> Kansas City knows it very well. Thank you, Travis Kelsey. But, but, but that, I mean, here's, here's the reality. It wins championships, but that doesn't win souls. It, it, it doesn't really shine the light that, that we want us to shine. And, and let's be honest, like the people we really want around us are the people Jesus are talking about. Jesus is talking about people who understand mercy, people who understand forgiveness. We're inspired by the, I'm gonna fight for my right to party. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna persevere. We're inspired by that. But we're also like a little bit of like, intimidated and, re and repulsed by that. We don't wanna get close, but what we wanna get close to is mercy. That's what our soul's really longing for because that's, that's what we really need and, and, and that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying my kingdom is different and I think it's important for us to, to uh, distinguish the world's mindset and Jesus's mindset. Because so often what we try to do is just take all that we think about with the world and we try to just like infuse it into Christianity and it's actually so different. So what the church doesn't need to be is cooler, right? I'm not against marketing and I'm not against trying to meet people where they are, but what the church needs to be is more merciful. What, what the church doesn't need to be is flashier, or, or, or more appealing. What the church needs to be is to understand forgiveness and grace. And what it means to, when someone's attacking you, not to fight back. That's what Jesus is saying. And you will be blessed when you do that. You'll be blessed when you do that. That's different, isn't it? This is the kingdom that Jesus is bringing. When you're kind to people who don't deserve it. When you approach situations with mercy and grace. Man, this is the hard stuff. But this is the good stuff. This is what Jesus is trying to communicate. It's the upside down kingdom. Jesus continually and constantly reiterates this. One time, um, there's this moment 
when the mother of two of the disciples come to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, can, can, my, can my boys sit close to you when, you know, when you establish your kingdom? Can they be, can they be close? And Jesus is like, you don't even know what you're asking. And you don't, you don't even understand how you're going about it because you're approaching this thing from a very worldly perspective and my kingdom is not worldly. And Jesus sets the record straight in Matthew chapter 20. He calls them together and says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. They, they're constantly fighting for their right to party. That's how they work. That's how they do. But watch what Jesus says. Not so with you. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. He's like, the way you experience blessing in the kingdom is by serving. The way that you advance this great, this great idea of God and his love invading earth is by humbling yourself and, and serving others. And he uses his life as an example. Watch this verse 28. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's like, the whole reason I'm here is to serve you. And I, and I want you to do the same. This is how the world really changes. Not by puffing ourselves up. Not by trying to win arguments on social media. Really, by proving our point. Oh, I got a good one. Oh, I'm going to work this one up. Oh, they're going to, oh, I'm going to kick them. Oh, it's going to be so good. Yeah. Yeah, eat it. That just won them over, I'm sure. Right? But that's what we do. We think our, per like, and that's why I love what Paul says. He says, I don't come with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I'm just so like dependent on God that I just want the Lord to lead me. In humility, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work to be right where you are and I'm gonna meet you as Jesus did and I'm gonna help you understand what this whole thing is about and it's, it's not about being more impressive. It's about showing you how impressive he is. It's about me decreasing and so that he might increase. The biggest change in our world happens when we serve. And some of you are like, okay, so I can, I, can, I can handle this as long as I can serve the nice people. Because how many know there are a lot of nasty people in the world? There's a lot of people who do like really terrible, awful things. There are people who in the grocery store will, will cut in line, acting like they don't know what they're doing, acting like they didn't see you, but they saw you. There are people who will, who will take the last Oreo out of the container with no thought for you. There are people who will root for the Raiders. It's a sad world. You know there's people who are guilty of much worse. And surely Jesus isn't expecting us to serve them, right? Now he is. Because the world's mentality is, I'll, I'll serve you if you 
serve me. But if you don't serve me and if you do unkind things to me, then I will cut you. (laughs) Jesus says, I'm going to flip that upside down. And he starts his ministry talking about this. Then he models this consistently by serving those who don't deserve it. Matthew would be an example of that, right? And then he punctuates it with one of the last things he says to his disciples before going to the cross. At the Last Supper, he gets them together and he gives them an illustrated sermon. I just want to take a few moments. John 13. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Again, we don't, we don't track very well with the whole foot washing thing. We don't do that normally. Like, that would be weird. Like, you know, if you came over to my house, I was like, oh, that's great. It's so awesome. Let me take your shoes off for a little bit. Let's take those. And I started washing your, you would leave. You would leave. And I'll be honest with you, I ain't touching your feet in the first place. So, I mean, like, thank God it's 2023 in that regard. But in that day, people's, people's feet were very dirty. They, they had sandals. They're walking in the dirt. They're walking uh, in, where the animals walked. So you can just imagine how, how dirty and nasty their feet were. And here's Jesus who starts washing their feet. And then he has a towel wrapped around his waist and he's drying their feet with the towel that's wrapped around his waist. Think about how close that is. Like, a rabbi certainly wouldn't do this. A rabbi, a normal rabbi, would be like, hey, one of you underlings do this. But Jesus does this, and think about the people he is doing this for. You've got Matthew who's there, who's got a jacked up past, right? Matthew had betrayed his people, had dishonored God, had had pursued luxury and status and, 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 uh, and had lied and had beat people up to enforce the taxes. So Matthew's a part of that. Peter is a part of that. Peter's got a jacked up future. In less than 24 hours, he's gonna betray, he's gonna deny Jesus three times. And Jesus knows this. And then you've got Judas who is there who's got a jacked up present because he's literally in the act of betraying Jesus, selling Jesus out to the Jewish leaders. Think about this. Jesus is washing people's feet who didn't deserve it. And then what does he do? Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
So he's like, I mean, listen, you, you guys aren't greater than me. I've done this for you, so this is what I want you to do for others. Now watch this, verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be what? Oh, wait. Wait, we've heard that. We heard that three years ago on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, when you began this ministry, when you began this journey with us, you told us what this whole thing is about, and now you're tying this Right before you go to the cross, you're tying this all together and you're helping us get what this whole thing is about, salt and light and fresh and bright and the difference that we so desperately want to make in people's lives and, and so need to make because our culture is dying and is rotting is found in serving. It's found in humbling ourselves and then engaging with the culture and meeting them where they are so that we can bring them to Jesus. And what happens when we do this? We're blessed and everybody else is blessed around us. Do you see this? This is amazing. This is what Christianity is all about. Again, going back to the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's learning how to sit with someone, meet them in their pain. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness is, is, is power under control. It's, it's understanding that you have an authority, but laying your authority down to serve and, and meet others where they are. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is what God is calling us to be and to do to those around us. What does this look like? This looks like that moment when you're at the restaurant and the server gets your order wrong. Right? How do you respond? Or, God forbid, when the Amazon delivery is delayed. They said next day, and they lied. And you can't wait to dial them up. Or when, when our kid's school drops the ball in communicating on an assignment. Or when our spouse misses the mark again do we completely lose our minds oh i can't believe you did that. oh i can't believe amazon how dare you oh i can't believe you got my order wrong how? i mean i clearly told you and you see people sometimes how we completely lose our minds over things that don't matter and what god has called us to do and to be is to engage with humility, give a little mercy, give a little grace, spread a little salt, be a little bit of light. That's how we affect. Yeah, that's worthy of a praise the Lord. That's worthy of a praise the Lord. Because it's so different. And they're like, that's different. Why would you do that? Why would you be so gracious to me? Well, let me tell you about the one who showed me grace. Do you see how all this ties together? Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
And once you're poor in spirit, then you're in alignment. You get right with God. Then once you have that, then you can be broken and you can serve with humility and engagement to those around you. Can, you can, the Bible says it is to a man's glory to overlook an offense. We're so offended all the time. We're missing out on all kinds of blessing. We're missing out on all kinds of blessing because we're too busy being stuck in our offense. And what we really need to do, and I love Romans 12, is to honor one another above ourselves. That's how we affect change. That's how we bring salt. That's how we bring light. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. We'll wrap up with this. Three times I plead with the Lord to take it from me. He's talking about this thorn that had been afflicting him. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you believe that, church? That is what this is about. It's about humbling ourselves so that when other people see us, they see our Savior who humbled himself. Not by proving points, not by winning arguments, not by making the perfect post that's just gonna knock someone right in the face. No, I'm just gonna serve you. I'm gonna be gracious to you. And I'm gonna be kind to you when you don't deserve it, when you've wronged me, when you spit on me. That's, what, what did Jesus say? When they're spitting on him, when they're, they're gambling for his clothes, he says, forgive them, for they know not what, what, who would do that? Somebody who's building a different kingdom. And that's how we win. That's how we win souls. By saying, I'm not gonna let this little thing get to me because I'm playing a different game. I'm living in a different kingdom. I'm a citizen of heaven. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me all across this place? And I want us to take a moment and just pray. Because here's, here's the thing. I hope, I hope that Jesus' words inspire all of us to, like, be different. But how many of you know we cannot do this without him? And he doesn't want us to even try. That's where it comes broken in spirit. So it come, we're, we're, how we affect and infect change in the world around us is by saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't, I can't. But by your spirit working in me, I can. Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the difference. So it's recognizing where we need to change, but it's not just trying to make that change in ourselves. It's by saying, God, I recognize I need to change here. Please help me. Do you see that? That's the difference. So can we take a moment before we move on? Can we just take a moment all across this place and just ask God to help us? Would you just lift your hands and just have a moment of vulnerability and surrender to God and a moment of prayer? Can we just take a, a, a second just to invite his presence into this moment? Father, we just thank you. Thank you for these inspiring words, these words that challenge us, these words that uh, call us to greater things, for, to greater impact, to be salt, to be light, to make a difference. But Lord, we know 
that we can't even do this on our own. So God, we just ask you for your help. Like all across this place, Lord, we just ask you for your will to be done in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand this and let this gospel message, this beautiful passage of scripture known as the Beatitudes be more than something that gets hung on a wall, but Lord, put it deep into our hearts. Put it deep into our hearts so that we can be salt and we can be light and we can affect change around us and we can make a difference in this world. Help us, Lord. Help us, we pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just want to take a moment and I, I want to ask if you're here today, you know, we're talking about being poor in spirit, being right with God, and if you're here today and you say, you know what, I, this is hitting me and I... I would love to be right with God, but I know that I'm not. It's as simple as inviting him in. You don't get to him by making him like you. You get to him by understanding that he really, really likes you, enough to die for you. Knowing everything you would do, knowing all the sins you would commit, and yet he still loves you with an everlasting love. And then he calls you. He calls you to know him. And if you're here today and you're, you're, you're disconnected from God, God wants, to, God wants to bring you into relationship. And we want to pray for you. And just want to encourage you. And if that's you and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me, I want to make a decision for the first time or for the first time in a long time to follow Jesus. Would you just raise your hand all across this place and say, Scott, that's me. I need to make a decision. Hands going up. Hands going up. Yeah, I see it. That's awesome. Just hold it up. Hold it up. Yeah, that's amazing. It's awesome. It's awesome. Anybody else? Just hold it up. Reach, you're reaching out to God. Just reach out to God and let's just take a moment. And let's just pray. Father, we just pray for every person who's reaching out, who's calling on the name of the Lord. Father, we just ask that, God, you would do a work in their heart. God, as they take this moment right here just to have a, a, a connection with you, Lord, I pray that it would be fruitful, it would be real, that they would begin a journey of making you the king of their lives, Lord. It would be real. It would be the king of their hearts. And, Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, can we just uh, give a hand for everybody who raised their hands? So many hands go, went up. So cool. Excited for you. Excited for you as you begin this relationship with God. It's the best thing in the world. It's the most important thing in the world. And it will change from the inside out. And we're here to help you do that. Uh, truly, it's what we're all about. Making disciples, helping you grow, helping you follow Jesus after you find him. And so we'd love to help you in that journey. You can stop by the info bar. We'd love to connect you there. Also, I'd like to take a moment and I'd like to pray for people. So if you're here today, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down to the front. You have a need in your body. Maybe, it's a, maybe you made a decision you want someone to pray with. We'd love to pray for you and pray with you. Maybe you have any kind of need. Maybe it's just a physical need or a financial need or emotionally you're just going through something. We're here. God answers prayer and we'd love to pray for you. We're going to worship and as we do, you can come down to the front and we'll pray. We'll take some time. But church, can we just take a moment and just ask that God would help us live this great commission. This great, this great mandate of being salt and light out. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have changed us and are changing us. And God, I pray that you would let your presence be richly in our hearts in such a dynamic and transformational way that we would follow you, that we would make you the king that you are and deserve to be in our lives. And Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Let's worship. <laughs>